This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where we're still waiting to see who won the presidential race. But the governor is taking a victory lap already because Florida is not responsible for the delay. We're now being looked at as the state that did it right and the state that these other states should emulate. So perhaps 2020 uh, was the year that we finally vanquished the ghosts of Bush versus Gore. Remember the talk about a blue wave this year? It never made it to Florida. Donald Trump gets our electoral college votes and Florida Republicans pick up seats in Congress, the state house and possibly the state Senate, pending a recount. In the aftermath of the election, Governor Ron DeSantis is blasting the cable news channels for the way they reported on the vote count. I was really disappointed uh, with how the networks handled the the call of the state of Florida. Uh, The fact of the matter is, Uh, If you wanted to be aggressive like they were in the other direction, you could have called it as soon as the early vote and mail ballots came in from Miami-Dade. DeSantis even called out Fox News by name. He also says it's time for the pollsters and pundits who got it wrong to find new occupations. For the fourth day in a row, the number of new COVID cases in Florida tops 4,000. The health department also reports 32 more fatalities, and the positivity rate for COVID testing is the highest it's been in more than two weeks. The Florida Supreme Court hears oral arguments about who really controls the budget at your local sheriff's office. Is it the sheriff or the county commission? Nothing in the plain language of these statutes authorizes the sheriff to move monies at the object level after her budget has been finalized and approved by the county and the items within have become fixed appropriations. Sheriffs are not county department heads and are not accountable to the board in the operation of their offices or in the performance of their statutory duties and their independence from county interference is preserved by statute. It's a battle that pits the Alachua County Sheriff against the Alachua County Commission, but this decision could affect every sheriff in the state. We'll also have your calendar of political events and check in with two Florida men. One is facing felony charges because someone made a joke about the size of his penis. The other is about to be fired again because of what he said about the Holocaust. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, November 5th. It was on this date in 1605 that the gunpowder plot failed as Guy Fawkes was seized before he could blow up the English Parliament. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder, treason, and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. We still don't know if Donald Trump or Joe Biden won the presidential race, but Governor Ron DeSantis is celebrating because Florida is not responsible for the delay. We never really uh, got over the stigma from the 20 or the 2000 Bush versus Gore recount. Then, of course, after the senatorial and gubernatorial elections in 2018, we saw post-election chaos in Broward and Palm Beach counties. And I think it's uh, a testament to the state's performance that you, as we see, chaos unfolding in some of these other battleground states where the votes may not be counted for for days, where one state isn't counting anything today, they're just going to go back tomorrow. Uh, The people are actually looking at Florida and asking the question, why can't these states be more like Florida? Florida was able to handle 11 million ballots, a combination of in-person early voting, vote by mail, election day, process them in a timely way, tabulate them, and report them. And these other states had the opportunity to do that. They haven't done it. The way Florida did it, uh, I think, inspires confidence. I think that's how elections should be run. And I think the contrast between how a, a tough battleground state like Florida handled 
the election versus what we're seeing in some of these other states, uh, I think that the, it's dramatic. And so rather than us be at the center of a Bush versus Gore in 2020, we're now look, being looked at as the state that did it right and the state that these other states should emulate. So perhaps 2020 uh, was the year that we finally vanquished the ghosts of Bush versus Gore. And as we watch what unfolds in the rest of the country, I do think you're gonna continue to hear from people looking at how, if the third most populous state in the country can, can count 11 million votes, produce a result across the board, why can't some of these other states uh, that are much smaller? DeSantis was also happy because Donald Trump won the Sunshine State by 370,000 votes, a larger margin than his win four years ago. He won a really significant victory in the state of Florida. Uh, I think his barnstorming, the extent to which this campaigning matters, uh, generally, I don't know, but I think in his case, uh, you know, doing these big events, the electricity it generated when we were in Miami-Dade right on the eve of the election, uh, I mean, it was really an incredible thing to do. Uh, so I think he deserves a lot of credit. I also think the fact that he has really helped us with a lot of Florida issues, I think helped him. Uh, wherever we needed hurricane relief, helping our military bases, our space uh, infrastructure and space industries, Everglades funding, you name it, President's been there. And I think that was really a historic victory uh, for President Trump here in the state of Florida. For all the talk about a blue wave, Florida is redder than ever. Republicans picked up seats in Congress, the Florida House, maybe even the state Senate, depending on how the recount goes in District 37. As of now, the Republican leads by 21 votes, which is enough to trigger an automatic recount. Two of our candidates for U.S. Congress in South Florida, uh, Carlos Jimenez and Maria Elvira Salazar, um, I think they're going to do a great job in the Congress. I think they're going to do represent uh, South Florida very well. I think they, I've worked with Carlos obviously a lot uh, this year uh, dealing with coronavirus. And I can tell you Maria Elvira is, is going to be a superstar in the Congress. So we were happy to see them succeed. I also worked with Senator Simpson and Speaker-designate Sprouls uh, on helping them amass resources and, and fighting those, those tough races. Uh, Eric Holder, the former attorney general, poured in with some of his groups uh, between 10 and $15 million to try to flip uh, the state house in the state of Florida. Uh, the result was that the House uh, Republicans gained five seats. So they didn't draw any blood. They lit a lot of money on fire. And I think that's a testament uh, to, to Speaker-designate Sprouls and a lot of great candidates who were running for office throughout the state of Florida and also Senator Simpson. Uh, we, it looks like we have one seat pickup by 20-some votes. Obviously, there's going to be uh, uh, there's a process there, but I think we would rather be in our position than in the other position. The governor also has a beef with the way the networks reported on Florida's vote and with the pundits and pollsters who got it wrong during the campaign. More on that later in the podcast during the Sunrise Soapbox. The state health department reports 4,423 new cases of COVID-19. It's the fourth day in a row where the total exceeded 4,000. We've had more than 821,000 infections in Florida so far. 32 more fatalities were reported Wednesday. That raises the death toll to 17,131. The number of new cases is trending up, and the positivity rate in the daily testing report is the highest it's been in more than two weeks. 
A state appeals court says an executive order from the governor designed to help reopen the state economy amid the COVID-19 pandemic does not prevent Miami-Dade County from imposing a curfew of its own. The 3rd District Court of Appeal rejected arguments by Tootsie's Cabaret Strip Club. They said the executive order preempted the midnight to 6 a.m. curfew. A circuit judge ruled in favor of the strip club, but the appeals court reversed that decision. Now that the elections are done, state lawmakers will return to Tallahassee on November 17th for a one-day organizational session when lawmakers will be sworn in. It's normally a festive time as family and friends jam the Capitol, but not during the COVID crisis. Incoming Senate President Wilton Simpson has imposed a series of health and safety protocols for the session. Every senator will have to be tested for COVID-19 before the session begins. There will be strict limits on the number of people allowed on the Senate floor. Traditional social activities, family events, congregate meals, they simply will not happen. Family, friends, and Special guests will have to watch a video hookup in a building across the street from the Capitol. The Florida Supreme Court hears arguments in a case pitting the sheriff of Alachua County against the Alachua County Commission. The issue? Who controls the sheriff's budget? Alachua County sued Sheriff Sadie Darnell because she transferred money within her own budget after it had been approved by the county commission. The commission's lawyer, James Parker Flynn, told the high court she needs approval from the board to do that. The issue in this case is whether county officers have the implied statutory authority to amend their final approved budgets, which has established the itemized expenditures therein as fixed appropriations, by transferring appropriated monies at the object level of the budget without county approval. The plain language of the legislature's comprehensive budgeting scheme makes clear that the sheriffs do not have such implied authority. Under that comprehensive scheme, the sheriff is required to itemize her budget at the object and at the function level. And once these items have been placed into the county budget, they shall be subject to the same provisions of law as the county annual budget. Those provisions of law make clear that the itemized expenditures therein become fixed appropriations and may not be altered, amended, or exceeded, except in accordance with the amendment process that is provided in section 129.06 sub 2. Further, the statutes make clear that the sheriff's budget may be amended in accordance with the process set forth in section 129.06 sub 2. Nothing in the plain language of these statutes authorizes the sheriff to move monies at the object level after they, her budget has been finalized and approved by the county and the items within have become fixed appropriations. But the sheriff's attorney, Cynthia Wagert, says the commission has no say over the sheriff's budget once it's been approved. The county's position that the sheriff must seek its approval to transfer funds between object codes is not supported by the Constitution, by the statutes, by this court's precedent, or by public policy, and the first DCA should be upheld. The sheriff is an elected constitutional officer. Sheriffs are not county department heads and are not accountable to the board in the operation of their offices or in the performance of their statutory duties. And their independence from county interference is preserved by statute. While counties do have the power to levy taxes, and they have the responsibility of taking the sheriff's proposed expenditures and weighing those proposed expenditures against all the other areas that they're responsible for funding. And then they finalize and approve a budget for the sheriff. Nothing gives them any role in the future management or oversight of the sheriff's budget. They've misconstrued the legislative intent and they've misstated statutes and then created these scenarios that um, don't have any evidentiary basis. For example, they say that the, you know, that transparency is lost and the public doesn't have any ability to weigh in on the sheriff's, sheriff's decisions to transfer funds. 
Well, the public doesn't have any ability at all to weigh in on the day-to-day -day spending of any governmental entity. And as far as transparency is lost, the sheriff is doing the same thing, has established the same process for internal transfers as the county has established for their transfers. The county manager can approve transfers of up to $50,000. And those, she doesn't even have to notify the board when, when that transfer is made. The county is, insists that the sheriff, that the statutes expressly require the sheriff to adhere to the county amendment process. The statutes simply don't say that. As usual, the high court gave no indication when it might rule. The first district court of appeal has already sided with the sheriff. Next on the Sunrise Soapbox, the governor critiques the media and the pollsters in the aftermath of the election. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to the Sunrise Soapbox. Now that the voting is done, Governor Ron DeSantis is venting about the process, the networks, and the pollsters who got it wrong in the presidential race. I was really disappointed uh, with how the networks handled the, the call of the state of Florida. Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, if you wanted to be aggressive like they were in the other direction, you could have called it as soon as the early vote and mail ballots came in from Miami-Dade. There was no way he, Donald Trump was going to lose with just that number. I understand being a little bit more cautious, let some votes come in. But by 9, 930, this was in the bag. And you had this drawn out, drawn out, drawn out. And there was a real resistance to just recognize reality. In fact, when they called it, there were fewer votes outstanding than the margin between the two candidates. Uh, there was never a pathway. And that was clear from very, very early on. I think most of you who follow Florida politics uh, agree with that. And I contrast that to an outlet like Fox News, which inexplicably calls Arizona without even a lot of the election vote being in uh, from key areas where the president was likely to gather support. I think it was 70% of the precincts were reported. They jumped the gun on Arizona. A lot of the other networks still haven't gone for Arizona for that. So for Fox to be so resistant to calling Florida and yet jumping the gun on Arizona, uh, I just thought was inexplicable. Uh, I don't think that that was done uh, without some type of motive, whether it's ratings, whether it's something else. If you want to be aggressive, be aggressive across the board. That would have meant you call Florida at 830. And they didn't do that. They waited when it was obvious that it was in the bag. This kind of political prognosticating polling industry uh, has not gotten elections right since 2012. They got 2012 right that Barack, Barack Obama would be reelected. They did not predict nine Senate seat gain in 2014. Clearly, they were wrong in 16. They missed huge races in 2018, including here in Florida. And they couldn't have missed this one, I think, any worse if you look at some of the things that were, uh, that were circulating um, over these last many weeks and months. And it's, you know, if you're that bad at your job, maybe some of these prognosticators should find another line of work. Because I can't think of another line of work where you can be wrong so many times and then still be there 
The presidential race may be over in Florida, but it's not done yet. They are still counting votes in several states, and Karen Flynn with Common Cause says this will not be over until the counting is done. For democracy to work for all of us, every voter needs to have their voice heard and their vote counted. The challenge has been over the last you know, many years, um, voters have experienced purges in this year with a, you know, dealing with a global pandemic, they saw an enormous number of changes to their election laws. Some states allowed absentee um, ballots. People in many states had to jump through a number of hoops to request a ballot, get that ballot, um, and return that ballot. Um, court deadlines in terms of when those would be counted shifted. Um, while voters are trying to deal with these issues. And we had the president's nominee um, and his postmaster general, DeJoy, actually make changes to the U.S. Postal Service that undermined effective um, delivery of ballots and people um, even receiving those ballots in the first place. And so that was by eliminating um, overtime, removing processing machines, and all kinds of things. So this was um, a really difficult landscape, also peppered with disinformation that was bombarding um, voters. We also now have politicians calling into question the legitimacy of votes um, that were cast, um, that were cast and still remain to be counted in a number of states. You know, that is a huge problem. Election officials actually don't get to choose their voters. It is supposed to be the other way around, and voters should be choosing their election officials. And we need to give election officials the time that their job demands to count every vote, verify the results, and get it right. Um, and Common Cause, with our staff and volunteers, on the ground in all 50 states are gonna be working to assist voters to cure their vote if necessary, to uphold the resiliency of our democracy and watch the count. And we're prepared to defend every American's right to be heard in our democracy. Of course, there are some people who would like the counting to end immediately. Donald Trump's campaign is suing Pennsylvania and Michigan. They're also demanding a recount in Wisconsin. And it could be several days before Pennsylvania finishes counting all the mail ballots, which are thought to favor Joe Biden. Your calendar of events today, the Florida Board of Clinical Social Work, Marriage and Family Therapy, and Mental Health Counseling holds an online meeting at 8. The Florida Defense Alliance meets online at 9. The State University System Board of Governors meets at 2.30 after holding a series of committee meetings that start at 9.30. At 10, the Florida Chamber of Commerce starts a two-day online insurance summit. Speakers include Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas, former House Speaker Will Weatherford, State Senator Jeff Brandis, and the CEO of Citizens Property Insurance. The Florida Advisory Council on Climate and Energy holds an online meeting at 10. The Florida Supreme Court releases weekly opinions at 11. And the Board of Triumph Gulf Coast, which helps administer settlement money from the Deepwater Horizon disaster, meets at a conference call at 1 o'clock Central Time. A Florida man who lost his job as a school principal after telling a parrot he couldn't say that the Holocaust was real because he had to respect the beliefs of Holocaust deniers is being fired again. Dr. William Latson got a pink slip from the Palm Beach County School Board last year. He challenged that decision, and an administrative judge decided the punishment was too severe. So last month, the school board voted to rehire him. 
but the community backlash was so bad the board rescinded its decision. They'll meet again next week to fire him all over again. Finally today, a Florida man is jailed after police say he threatened a man with a handgun because someone questioned the size of his penis. Police say 21-year-old Dustin Coons of Ramrod Key was revving his Jeep's engine in Key West on Duval Street when the driver in front of him walked back and said, you must have a small dick. The police report says Coons responded by screaming at the guy and pointing a 9mm Smith & Wesson handgun at him, gangster style. Coons told police he was in fear for his life and was defending himself. They did not buy it. He's charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, carrying a concealed firearm, dealing in stolen property, and driving without a valid license. That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.